Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voisin, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all of my listeners who come and listen to Inside Personal Growth because for years and years we've been on the air and without you, there would be no show. And today, joining me from Nashville, Tennessee, but she actually lives in Oregon, is Whitney Freya. And Whitney is the author of a book called The Artist Within, A Guide to Becoming Creatively Fit. Good day to you, Whitney. How are you? I'm great, Greg. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to speak with our listeners about how to become creatively fit. And I want to let my listeners know just a tad bit more about you, Whitney, because you do have quite an unusual background. And then I'm also going to give them a link to your website. So Whitney is becoming widely known as a muse for guidance in ways to tap into creativity as a pure language of the soul. She is also a motivational speaker, creative entrepreneur, corporate creativity trainer, and in her right mind, nearly every moment. She is the author of two books on creativity, The Artist Within, A Guide to Becoming Creatively Fit, which we're speaking about today, and 33 Things to Know About Raising Creative Kids, which uh, my good friend Michael Gelb endorsed and also did Daniel Pink. Um, Her unique application of art uh, to the art of living has garnered her national attention on CBS News, Martha Stewart Radio, and HGTV, among others. Um, She continues to take creative risks and is devoted to helping people use art making as a spiritual practice and expressive living. Uh, Whitney is available for one-on-one coaching, and she's here with us this morning. Um, Whitney, I want to start off this with the fact that we are in a situation today where creativity more than ever is so much being uh, talked about, innovation, creativity in the workplace. We know that corporate America, there's this thirst to inspire creativity and innovation within the workforce. What do you believe is required of not only the corporate cultures, but the individuals within those cultures to allow this activity to flow and for people to be inspired to express, as you say, the super uh, soul flow? (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you for asking that because this is something that is really close to my heart because the corporate uh, culture is very influential, um, especially in our Western world. And, you know, there is an element almost where if people say I work for a corporation, they almost say it apologetically, you know, and, and I know there is um, such a desire in the corporate world to facilitate and inspire creative thinking because everybody understands now that we're in this constant state of change, right? It's all about um, anticipating what's coming next and how can you be a leader in your industry. And the fact that these uh, changes are happening, you know, almost on a monthly basis means that you are constantly having to stretch into new territory. Things don't happen over courses of years or decades anymore. It's, It's quick. And I think the biggest thing um, that helps people make that initial step into understanding how to create more of an environment of creativity and innovation in the workplace is to understand that absolutely everyone is creative 
And it's not just your graphic designers or your new product development team that uses um, physiologically your creative mental muscle. You all do it anytime you are problem solving or planning ahead, you know, figuring anything out, anything that does not already exist that you want to bring into your corporate business experience is going to require creative thinking. It requires a part of your brain that thrives on change and um, and doesn't feel any need to protect itself. Uh, your left brain, the logical, rational mind, is literally physiologically um, programmed to resist change. So that's the, the rational, you know, we don't have the money for that, the budget for that, we don't have time for that, we don't have the, you know, all of those logical reasons why things won't work. When you understand that everyone on your team has the potential to um, anticipate and, and plan and create newness, that it's not just something that someone's born with, then you open up the possibilities and well, understand that it's fear, that logical mind, it's, the, it's fear of you know, going a wrong direction or losing money that keeps you from just taking those initial steps in a new creative direction. So this creativity, while it does require this element of risks, what you're basically saying is in this negative self-talk, because you mentioned in the book that, mm-hmm. you, you know, we hear this all the time. We've been programmed with this. This is, as w- most of my listeners know, it's the ego. It's We say it's kind of edging mm-hmm. God out, right? Or it's or right. it's not allowing us to get to the soul, which is what you speak about so much. But you help mm-hmm. people overcome the negative so- self-talk through this use mm-hmm. of art and Why is it that art in your mind or just coming to a canvas, an open canvas, allows Mm -hmm. people to get in touch at so much of a soul level that they're able to break through much of this negative self-talk and and get to the other side? What is it that you see happen when you start working with clients in this way? Well, there are a couple of things. One is that um, my clients are not people that have spent any time at the canvas, whether in their you know adult life, if ever, right? I mean, this is uh, activity that dramatically contrasts their routine. So when I introduce the art making, and you know, they're almost a hundred percent of the time have a level of resistance to it. You know, oh, I can't even draw a straight line. I can't draw a stick figure. So because they have not spent time painting or art journaling, they absolutely get into new mental territory, right? So they're doing things differently. You're going to get different results. We know that. The other element is that as a child, all of you painted and scribbled and drew and were fearless and, you know, proudly held it up to your parents. Look what I made. You know, there was no inhibition. There was no judgment. Um, and maybe that was, you know, when you were a very young child. But that childlike energy is closer to um, being able to communicate with that intuitive side or your higher self or your soul. Um, but basically, it's, um, it's like going in the back door, you know. Mm-hmm. So when I bring people to the canvas, um, the left brain has to disengage because um, as a business person or as a, a life coach or a, an entrepreneur, your job has not been to paint a painting to, as part of your business, right? Mm-hmm. So 
So the logical mind can't figure out any logical reason why you're spending time doing this art making. So it has to check out. And when it checks out, your right brain is what comes forward, that intuitive, infinite mind. And the right brain is completely present. So in the present moment, whatever has happened in the past that hasn't worked, right, any worry about something in the future that if you don't do this, this, and this, that won't happen, none of that exists in the present moment. Mm -hmm. That's why Deepak Chopra talks about um, having to be present in order to access the field of pure potentiality. Right, Because if you're not in the present moment, you're in the past and the future. And the past and the future has, is only dictated by your personal experience or your worries or stress. So when I bring people to the canvas, they become completely present. They engage with that childlike um, curiosity, that childlike energy that believes you could, you know, fly like Superman or, you know, go to the moon. And because you enter into that almost like that frequency, like a, almost like a radio station, that's where you're able to receive these intuitive ideas. And, it, and they seem like random thoughts crossing your mind, right? I, but we have a way of documenting that, and then, and then you follow the dots, and you connect it back to your logical mind. You know, it's about whole brain thinking, ultimately. And so the art making is a back door. Interesting. Well, I often, often frequently refer to this as people are chasing rewards of the future and they're not able mm -hmm. to experience the present moment. They think there's some reward out there that's better than the present moment, whatever they right. might be chasing, whether it's money or this or that or some material thing, um, which is what the ego mind does frequently. It says, you know, you're not enough, so go do this. Um, so it, I'm glad that you've used that. Now, you talk about this throughout the book, this creativity workout. You just mentioned it, the scribble on the paper, mm -hmm. the personal symbol, the torn paper, the leaf rubbing, mm -hmm. all of these things. Um, and it it's interesting because you have exercises around all of them. How is it that you incorporate that in there and and what does it really do? I mean, I was looking at your exercise in the book, and I'm going, yeah, torn paper. It's been a long time since I've torn some paper and used some <laughs> glue to actually put it down on the piece of paper. But it's you you lose kind of the you go into a flow state when this happens. I know that's exactly. what happens because your mind yeah. forgets everything. There's there's timelessness. It's like you're just in this amazing flow state. Do you see these people entering this flow state where they lose? connection with time and space. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that I like to point out to people, whether they're coming into one of my group workshops or we're getting on the phone, is if someone is in a, a very stressed state, you know, they've had a bad day, the traffic was hectic, you know, something happened, they got an email, their child is, you know, doing something crazy, um, to, to, to recognize, okay, right now I am stressed out. I've got all these things on my mind. Now let's, you know, set the timer on your phone and let's scribble or draw or tear images out of a magazine for just five minutes, three to five minutes. And, and the process is like a, you know, kind of a, a gradual shifting from that left brain monkey mind, you know, going through all the things that you still have to do or didn't do or didn't go well. And as you give your consciousness something to do where you're looking at images and color and shape and form, you gradually step over to becoming completely present 
And then within that three to five minutes, it's like, okay, where did that to-do list go? And, mm-hmm. and my, cli- my clients are literally like, what? But, That's great. <laughs> you know, they, they've let go of that. And literally what I love about this is because this is how your brain works. You know, creatively fit refers to the fact that our brains respond just like muscles. Thomas Edison said this decades ago, right? And so when you give yourself regular creative activity, everything you do will become influenced by that creative energy. And that's especially when I'm talking to the corporate environments, because I think a lot of them understand that creativity is really important. They don't understand how to get there. And the great news is that doing anything creative is going to help you be more creative in everything you do. Just like when you go to the gym and you do bicep curls, you can't just keep upping your bicep uh, curl weights, you know, the the weights in the gym. You also are able to carry in more groceries, right, or, you know, play tennis better. So those muscles aren't just stimulated when you're doing bicep curls. So the creative thinking, looking into the scribble and and intuitively seeing what you see, that helps you intuitively see potential in a business plan, mm-hmm. you know, or I in the reports that you're getting. Most so definitely. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So you you mention in the book you you speak about your eight principles of design that artists use to create successful works of art. I want to have you talk about them and mention the eight principles because they are fundamental. You know, you talk about balance, yeah. you talk about all kinds of things. And, you know, it's not something that the average listener here is probably familiar with, but there is a process here. And yeah. so I want you to kind of go into it and talk to them mm-hmm. a little bit about your eight principles that you describe in the book and what this kind of leads to. What what really happens sure. when you understand these principles? Sure. So what happened is I started teaching painting classes at my art center that I opened in 96 here in Nashville, Tennessee, which is one of the reasons I'm here. And, um, and I had no art background, no art training. I didn't even know what color paints to order. So just for all of you listening, understand that I was an art center owner and didn't know how to paint. <laughs> I learned really quickly because, you know, that's what all I did. When I started teaching, and I had learned these principles of design, um, like, for example, contrast is the first one. Whenever you're doing anything, your eye will always go to the point of greatest contrast. So artists use colors and shapes and form to create contrast in their paintings to attract your eye to, you know, the woman's face or the part of the landscape that they want you to focus on. So as I'm teaching these things and I'm saying, you know, a painting needs contrast in order to have a focal point. Well, I would immediately think, well, it's just like in life. If you don't have contrast in your life, one day blends into the other. So if you're feeling, you know, apathetic or kind of low energy, in the art that is your life, you can say, where can I create contrast, right? Or as a business owner, how does the way we do business contrast our competitors? And how can we emphasize or capitalize on that? Um, so contrast is the first one that I talk about. Unity is the second. So in a painting, if um, just imagine all of you can picture looking at a painting that has this very primary color geometric pattern, um, you know, background. And then on top of that is this pastel, soft, kind of flowing bouquet of flowers 
with then like an arrow shooting through it, right? It would be mm-hmm. like, whoa, this looks like a painting, couple paintings that ran into each other. It would not be something that you would want to sit and gaze at because there's no unity there. So you unify a piece of art with things like color and repetition. But in your life, sometimes focusing on taking a moment to meditate on unity. Okay, so do I feel unity or do I feel disunity in my life? Um, that meditation for many of my clients and for myself especially brings me back to why I do what I do, Mm -hmm. right? Like I do what I do because I love to inspire people. I love to see their eyes light up. So as long as everything I'm doing is helping me to inspire others, then that is a unifying force Mm -hmm. and I can focus on that. Um, Balance is another one. I mean, how important is balance in our lives? We all know that feeling of out of balance. We've been working too hard or we haven't been working enough or, you know, we've been so focused on taking care of our elderly parents that we haven't had a chance to balance that out with the self-care. So balance um, is something that uh, is real easy to understand, sometimes just saying the word. So contrast, unity, balance, proportion. You know, in business sometimes... You know, we spend a lot of time thinking, well, I, I want to have more clients or I want to earn more money. And so proportion tells me, okay, so am I spending the appropriate proportion of my time and energy in the direction of the goals that I have, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then we have repetition and rhythm. Um, so repetition in a painting, if you imagine a Kandinsky painting, you know, the abstract painter Kandinsky, and he's got all these abstract shapes and colors, if you look at any of his paintings, where there is repetition is where he is placing his emphasis. And so in the art that is your life, repetition can help um, you build confidence. You know, maybe you have a goal or a part of your business you want to grow, but you, you, you know, you're having a hard time really making that a non-negotiable. And so sometimes repetition is like, okay, I just need to practice this more, and then I will feel more confident, right? Um, Rhythm is, um, again, imagine um, a a song, right? Without the rhythm, it would kind of be all over the place. The rhythm is what pulls it all together. Sometimes when we're feeling scattered in the art that is our life, creating a rhythm, okay, so every Tuesday morning is when I am going to um, review my goals and, um, you know, pull out the spreadsheet. But instead of just trying to fit that in at some point in the week, I am going to create a rhythm where every Tuesday morning I know I'm going to do that. And then every Tuesday I'm going to have lunch with someone who inspires me or, you know, a phone conversation with someone who inspires me to balance, right, that time spent reviewing my goals and my uh, and my numbers. So, nice. um those principles and then emphasis are definitely, is the last one. Yeah, yeah, emphasis is in there too. So go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, so emphasis is the last one. And um, and emphasis is uh, clearly in a piece of art. It's, uh, it's kind of the overarching theme. And again, in the art that is your life, it's um, placing emphasis on where you want to be going next. So, you know, when you uh, meet your friend next month, for that trip, what do you want to be sharing with them and how can you place more emphasis on that? So those eight principles of design, while they're normally presented um, in a design and art 
of paradigm or teaching, um, what we know for sure is that anything that describes a, a whole, right, is going to be applicable to anything. And so, you know, when I was teaching art way back and I'd say, okay, um, you want to create unity because if you have too many different things going on, the eye can't rest anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing with our life. If we feel like we're being pulled all these different directions, we feel scattered, we feel stressed, our energy is low, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're more impatient, we get frustrated more easily. So how can you create unity? What do you need to let go of and where do you want to place more emphasis to feel like, okay, I, I, I feel like I have a focus and I do not feel scattered anymore. So they you speak to you a, very clearly. You have a great way to help people get in touch with all of these eight principles. And you've created this life design diagnostic, which is, you know, it's mm -hmm. compromised of these questions around those eight principles that we just talked about. And you mentioned in the book that if somebody scored under a 10 in that section, boy, maybe they ought to recheck, re um, you know, just in their life. Take out a section of the book, as you say, and, you know, and go to work. Uh, you know, get some junk paper from the drawer and, and start a sculpture or do whatever. Um, what do you find, you know, if somebody takes this test and they are scoring low on it, right? Because this mm -hmm, is a way mm -hmm. for you to get in touch to find out where people are and to meet them where they are. Um, right. Wh how do you meet people where they are? And then what would be your PX, your prescription for taking mm -hmm. the next step? What are some of the prescriptions that you would uh, tell your clients or tell the people that are in the classes that just, they, they come to you and they say, hey, Whitney, I'm just stuck. I don't believe I have a creative bone in my body. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just afraid. I'm just so afraid to mm -hmm. do it. How do you get them mm -hmm. beyond their fear and move them to a space of loving themselves, of knowing that their soul is there and that it's longing mm -hmm. to be expressed? Because this is the spiritual side of your work. And yeah. the reality is, is the spiritual side is the part that you're trying to get all of these people and clients in touch with. You're trying to say, yeah. hey, be expressive. Let yourself out. Do it on a piece of canvas. This is an open canvas. No one's judging you. But they're right. judging themselves. And right. so the biggest critic is with inside them. Yeah. How, do you, how do you smash the critic within and right. allow them to express themselves? Right. Well, it's it's a joy to partner with people on that journey, for sure. And the first step um, for all of you, if any of you are nodding your head, yes, I know that inner critic, yes, I do not have a creative bone in my body. The first thing I want you to understand is that you have two hemispheres in your brain. You all do. And you literally have two completely different personalities as a result. Um, I always recommend watching the Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor talk on TED. So go to TED.com, just Google Dr. Jill. Mm -hmm. She was a Harvard brain researcher who yep. had a stroke had and lost stroke. her entire left hemisphere. <laughs> yep. so, so what she says is you've got these two different personalities. You all have a left brain that is literally physiologically responsible for resisting change. It is fear-based. It is there to protect you. That's not a bad thing. That's a really great thing. But it's not meant to be the only driver in the driver's seat. On to, to perfectly balance that left brain fear-based voice, you have a right hemisphere that only knows love. 
that only believes that everything is working out perfectly and that the universe and everything that's ever happened in your life is there to support and guide you. So this is Course in Miracles says that at any given moment, you're either coming for fear or love. You have the fear-based voice. The left brain, the logical mind is what has been celebrated and valued and held up as this is what you want for our whole lives growing up. It's the way we were raised. It's the way we were schooled. It's the way our society still predominantly works, which is fine because in the art that is our life, contrast is so important. So now we know what that predominant left brain mind reality gets us. And now the shift is coming into balance with the right hemisphere. So you get to know, first of all, that you have these two personalities. And then there is the third, the artist within, your soul, your spirit, that witness that can observe, right, in any given situation, can take a step back and learn. And this is the first thing I teach people is how to observe. Wow, look at me being so critical. And the way we do that is in your art journal first with paper, then at the canvas. So let's just cover the page with marks. Don't try and draw anything. Just make your mark. Pick a crayon, pick a marker, pick a ballpoint pen. It doesn't matter. Now observe that inner critic. It will come up right away. (laughs) You know, that logical mind will say, you've got more important things to do than sit here and scribble. So observe that. And then give your right hemisphere an opportunity to engage by allowing three to five minutes to just scribble, just making your mark, and then observe all of a sudden how you are immersed in that combination of lines and how they fit together. Mm-hmm. And then observe yourself being totally present. Observe the fact that that inner critic is gone and understand that you ultimately are the observer. You're the creator. You get to choose which one do I allow to um, make my choices in this situation, right? Sometimes the logical mind is absolutely what is going to serve our highest and greatest good. I had a client, for example, who is a very, very successful lawyer, okay? We all know that in that profession, you cannot make a mistake. You can't say, oops, I left that sentence out, right? I mean, that would be the end of your career. But in your personal life, if you allow that same I cannot make mistakes come into your personal life, that's going to cause some, some challenges. And what this woman said to me after her first session with this art journal is the first time I've understood that it's okay to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't allowing herself the opportunity to take that step back and witness, wow, there's my logical perfectionist self. And then there is this other very caring, intuitive self. And sometimes that's who I'm going to choose um, to make the decisions or drive the bus. Well, right? the so reality is you're allowing people to get in touch with it. And I love your quote from your blog, by the way, because it says, and this is one you quoted in January 22nd, life is a great big canvas. Throw all the pain you can on it. Danny Kay, one of your creativity mm-hmm. fit coaches. And, and I love your blog and your website. If you would tell us uh, a little bit more, because your your website is loaded with about the gallery, the shop, the blogs, wherever. My listeners can get this book from Amazon, I presume. I presume they can also yes. shop on your website itself, um, yes. online programs that you have in prints. So for my listeners, the, the website is Whitney Freya, and that's W-H-I-T-N-E-Y. 
F-R-E-Y-A.com. When you go there, you're going to see videos. You're going to see, obviously, the blog. You're going to see an opportunity to look at the gallery and events and so on. And um, Whitney would love to have you contact her, I'm sure, um, just yeah. by asking her questions that you might have about her courses um, obviously looking at some of her own personal artwork that she's created there as well. Now, do you actually sell this to the public through your website, or is it just something that you're... I, Go ahead. Yeah, I do. I do sell my artwork, and um, and sometimes, you know, I kind of go in waves, right? Um, I sold a bunch of artwork before the holidays because that was, you know, that's on everybody's mind. I'm constantly creating. A lot of times the paintings become very personal. They're a conversation that I have. I, the kind of the second or third layer of my training is teaching people how to create energy, you know, kind of law of attraction. You can use that um, vocabulary. What's the energy you want to amplify in your life and connect you? Well, let's paint sacred symbols that, that embody that energy. And so for me, a lot of my paintings are a result of me wanting to connect to a certain energy or being attracted to a symbol or an animal or a figure. You know, I've painted a lot of Buddhas and um, Taras, and that really helps me connect to that centered, peaceful place. And they're hanging all around my house. It's like acupuncture, you know, for my for my space. It's constantly uh, emitting that vibration of the peace and the calm or the movement and the change, you know, to, to help me keep believing that I am capable of, of expanding more and more. Um, and then I create paintings that are absolutely meant to be shared or they really connect with someone. I've had people reach out to me, you know, is that painting for sale? And there was a painting I sold recently that I didn't think I would ever sell, but I could tell that this person had connected with it, and, and it was time for that one to move on. And, and so I do sell my artwork. My passion is empowering you to create your own artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, get that. But you, you're really about helping people get in touch with their soul and their intuition, and you do such yeah. a great job of it. And I want to thank you for being on Inside Personal Growth and sharing some of your wisdom about how to get in touch with this, because this is... Um, I don't want to call it a lost art, but it, it, it to a certain degree, we've become over-obsessed with electronic devices and more people need to get mm-hmm. out and work with clay and they need to work with canvas mm-hmm. and they need to work with other forms of media. Um, you know, you look at what we have an opportunity to do and, and the abundance that we have in our society and the opportunity to express ourselves this way. And I think many of, again, it comes down to that fear. Um, and mm-hmm. you're going to help people overcome that fear and that inner critic. And I just want to thank you for spending a little bit of time talking about it and helping people to understand how to get in touch with it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. It's always a pleasure. I look forward to connecting with you further, Greg, and any of you listening. I would love to, um, to learn more about the art that is your life and the change you'd like to create.